0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle-aged
1: warriors, Chris Semino and Rick Summers. Oh, car 54, where where are you? Boy, we're really dating ourselves with that one. <laughs> oh my this is show 54. Where Here are we are. <laughs> well, welcome to Middle Age Warriors. This is show 54, if you haven't figured that out by now. Yeah. We're, we're very clever that way. Yeah. You can tell.
0: Yeah, man, you're right on
1: top of it. Yeah, and this is, uh, we talked about it last week, and this is my, my first show.
0: As an old-timer.
1: As an old-timer. <laughs> Being in the big six-oh, the next decade has begun, and it's still... Hard to believe when I look at the number, but I mean, you know, it doesn't feel any different other than, you know, it's the next day, right? That's what it's, it is. You
0: know, it's weird because uh by the way, I'm Rick. He's Chris. Oh yeah, I'm Chris. <laughs> We're middle aged warriors and uh getting older by the moment.
1: Yeah. We all uh, are though. I'm the
0: Believe Podcast Network and um yeah, and Chris just celebrated a big birthday. He put on his big boy pants. Well,
1: I don't know about that. <laughs> know. As long as I didn't put on a diaper, that comes <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe down the road perhaps and oh, I mean, let's hope not yeah please.
0: that's coming mm, well, sooner or later oh don't Anyone so know? uh yeah no I turned 60 a year ago and right. uh and yeah, you know and the alternative is kind of bleak this and, is true but going through what we've gone through in the past year there are times that it's looked like you know <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> multiple choice question yeah, all of a sudden really. doesn't seem yeah, something yeah really it's not A or B it's one from column <laughs> well, A one yeah. from column B yeah and, fill in the blank.
1: No, but it's uh but it it did sort of distort everything. And I know for you, at least for me hitting it we're a little we're in a little better position in terms of socially where we are and and interacting and being able to do some things right last year you know we were really in heavy duty lockdown for the most part and uh, so you're going to do a 60 plus one celebration right coming up in june yeah basically we we pushed it back for a year a lot of people are doing that though i and, know and, you but know what else are you going to do right really
0: right if you want to celebrate and um and and it's not so much me. I'm at this point. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But mm. but Valerie feels it's important, and I appreciate
1: that yeah, because well,
0: because I made big deals about her benchmark birthdays along the way.
1: Yeah, she's all of forty now. I mean, uh, yeah. <clears throat> Well, right, Valerie. That's what we're gonna say. Okay, yeah.
0: <laughs> we're sold. You know, for when I threw a surprise fiftieth for her, uh-huh. and it was probably one of the best parties I have ever thrown. And she never, ever... You'll have to ask her about it. Let me forget that I just let her show up like we were going out to dinner. We walked into a restaurant that we knew. Uh And downstairs there were... 70 people or whatever so she
1: wasn't dressed up enough exactly. for it and she, uh, but see that's uh. that's the, the surprise parties people have to let that stuff go i mean that's that's surprise. the way yeah exactly <laughs> i mean i i've had a couple you know thrown on me as well but you know guys don't really care about what they're wearing <laughs> yeah that's really well,
0: and the other thing is you know you want to make sure you're not doing a surprise party for somebody who's like Got a heart condition or? Something. Well, now
1: you're getting yeah. So no more surprise parties after 60, probably. So how
0: so was your? Can we say what your your actual birthday was? The 27th.
1: Yes. Of 27th April. Of April. It was fine. We I just had a had a nice day. We you know with with Ed, Me, my my better half, and we had a nice lunch. We went to a nice restaurant, had some sushi, which was nice to actually be able to go to a restaurant. Uh, and just walked around town a bit. You know, I I should say that it's interesting. You were talking about different you know milestone type parties and probably my biggest bash that I ever had was was turning 40. Yeah, me too. And for me, it became a celebration of life because it's going to sound weird when I say it to other people and I, you know, they would always make jokes about it, but I had this sort of pseudo premonition since I was in my teens that I was going to leave this earth at 39 i was going i would i could see my tombstone and you know it would have like the age that would have me dying at 39 so i said if i ever hit 40 i'm going to bring back everybody that got me here along the path <laughs> and i seriously we had we, it was a party in the house but we yeah. must have had 50 people and, you know, from first grade friends to little league friends to, you know, then friends from work and, and moving on to NBC and that kind of stuff. So it was really, that was a great celebration. Uh, this one, you know, I'll have some people, but. Uh... Hey, you want to take a minute uh, for one of our sponsors, Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. You know,
0: it's interesting. My 40th birthday, which was a big shindig that I didn't really want to throw, but uh, Valerie convinced me, yeah, it's a a big birthday. You should do it. So we did. We had uh, up in Cold Spring up on the Hudson River, here mm. in New York, mm-hmm. we had a brunch, and it was really nice. we had all kinds of people, and it was great. But I made a thank you announcement and kind of a toast that said, 40, how about that? Life is short and getting shorter. And I thought that that was so insightful, <laughs> saying that. I caught such shit from people for saying because they thought that was so macabre. Life well, is short and getting shorter.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, well, you're kind of... You can sometimes be a, a glass half-empty guy. But, Me? But we But we all are. I mean, you know, but the point in going to that, by the way, at 40, it wasn't necessarily getting shorter. If you live till 85, that means you still have more... You still had more up front. At 60, <laughs> you ain't got more up front. You ain't going to be 120. Okay? <laughs> Not going to happen, right. Okay. So, you know, and that's the point when people say, oh, you look great, and, you know, and, and I, I'm very happy with how I... I'm holding up at 60. Yeah, holding up. Knock on whatever <laughs> I can knock on. But, you know, it, again, if you told me at, at 20 or even 30, I'd be at least in this shape at 60, I'd say, oh, man, I'll take that. Absolutely. Yeah. But you can't deny the fact it's not going to get, you know, you're not going to get better in terms of, you know, stronger and healthier. And, you know, it's it's things are going to start to, it's like a car, you know, things are going to start to go wrong.
0: What's different for you uh, going through middle age, turning 60, uh is anything different for you that you can talk about that you want to talk about um, or that you don't want to talk about that no, can cry out of you?
1: Well, there's a lot of things. You know, the the positive side, ultimately, and I don't, I'm not even sure. I mean, I guess it's, it's driven by age because age means there's experience of different things in life. The longer you live, the variety of things you're going to experience. Right. And I think, you know, we talked about this before and, and, and having loss of, of things that you think are... Perpetual, but they're not, and that really starts to change your approach philosophically as you for every day. And I'm I'm a lot different with that. Doesn't mean I still don't get pissed off. I'm stuck in traffic on occasion, but uh, you know those types of little things really don't bother me anyway near as yeah. as much as they used to. And I just I just don't want to sweat it anymore. You know, but I you you watch and you've seen this. People, you know, here I am. I'm trying to redefine myself. By the way, I'll, I'll publicly say it. I've, I've got my real estate license here Yay, in New York. Congratulations! So thank you. That was, uh, that was my 60th birthday present to myself. Good for you. But, uh, you know, going to give that a try. It's a little bit of a career, a little bit. It's a career change, obviously. I've got a bridge I'd like to sell, sell you on. in Arizona. Uh huh. <laughs> but you know, again, it doesn't have this. I, I watch people They get so entrenched and so caught up, but they're miserable in their work sometimes because it consumes them. Yeah. And they're really missing out on the other parts of life. And there are other parts of life. And that's one thing I think by 60 that I've really discovered. You know, you, you learn about yourself, what really fulfills you. And lots of times it's not the things you thought they were going to be.
0: That's true. And the, the thing you have to really retrain your brain for is, does this really matter? All right, right at this moment, maybe it does. Mm-hmm. But in five days, in five months, in five years, Am I going to remember this moment and think, "Oh my God, that was such a life changing moment," because right. I because I missed the exit mm-hmm. or I missed the phone call? Oh.
1: Yeah, it's. It, and to your point, it's all perspective. It's 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 the time frame. There's the now. Then there's the bigger picture, and the bigger and bigger bigger picture that that those issues become smaller and smaller. And that's one of the things I remember saying and thinking. For some reason, you know, one of the things I. Really, that I, I felt has allowed me to grow and heal was traveling, but one of the first places I had gone to in that process was was the Grand Canyon, which I've right. never been before, yeah. and I and I sat at the edge of the Grand Canyon. Oddly enough, it's it's if you've ever been. And those who have understand what I'm saying. Most of the Grand Canyon doesn't have a railing around it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, and people <laughs> do lose their lives there, and some people take their lives there. But the point is, you can kind of sit, once you get to certain spots, you just sit over edges and dangle your feet and that type of thing. And there was this one moment, it was towards sunset, and I was sitting there, and, and I felt so small, so infinitesimal. Yeah. But what that also made all of the stupid things I was worried about and that were bothering me, and I was. They were small too, so it's perspective and size, and and I think people sometimes really have to stop and go: Is this really that friggin' big a deal that that I'm making it into at this moment? Really? Because then you miss you miss the light, you know, you miss you miss the moments of what's happening now because you're you're so worn down or so caught up in minutia that you'll reflect on later at sixty and go, What the hell was I thinking? About? I know, really. But I think for you, and let me ask you this question. I'm under the impression, and I've always said this, that I look at life, so, you know, we're a tree, and I'm hoping that the day they're shoving me into a coffin or into the ground or wherever, well, in my case, maybe into ashes, (laughs) but that that next to last day, I was still sprouting some new branch or a new leaf. Because we should still, no matter how old the tree is, we still should have that ability to sprout sprout. something new and, and, and grow in some capacity.
0: Yeah. By the way, what is that growing out of you? That's,
1: that's, a, that's a wart. That, that <laughs> happens also. It's, no, it's not I gotta,
0: yet. I got to tell you, and, you know, sitting here, because I'll be 61 uh, in June. I right. can't believe it. My dad passed away two days before his 62nd birthday. Wow. And it's like, and that was in 1989. So wow. it, I've had a long time to deal with that and think about, mm-hmm. you know, these past uh, however many years please don't make me do the math <laughs> but the truth of the matter is I look at him at our similar age and mm. he seemed a lot older mm-hmm. than you and I both seem at 60 and 61 um, and he seemed a lot more settled but also he wasn't dealing with chronic illness and pandemics and never lived through nine eleven. and mm. you know he didn't deal With a lot of stuff that you and I have had to deal with, but I think about that you know, it's kind of like I mean, if 62 is the deadline, then life really is short. That is well, shorter. you know,
1: now, relatively speaking, obviously, you know, I, I would to me, it sort of feels like anything short of 80 means yeah, you probably got jipped somewhere along the line a little gypped. bit, yeah, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a great word. I <laughs> love what, that. What a jip, yeah, but um, no, and, and I, but again, it's perspective, each generation, I think. When, you know, people always go, you know, 60 is the new 50, 70 yeah. is the new six. you know, blah, 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 blah. But there is a degree of truth to that in that, in particular, I think in our generation, we experienced so much change in such a short period of time that the the looking at yourself as being old was, was detrimental, meaning I think past generations w- would sort of go, well, you know, I'm 60 now. I'm retired and I wear my trousers and my hat and I just <laughs> kind of, you know, and that's what I do. We're back to that. <laughs> yeah, but but it's sort of this this sense of, you know, it's over for me. But because we grew up in a in a in a in a generation that opportunity and then op- more opportunity, more opportunity and things are constantly changing, the thought of, you know, closing up shop at 60 seems like, well, that's a little premature. There's still plenty of stuff we could be doing and and that's what's happening, but therefore I think we carry ourselves a little younger, yeah. if you will, for lack of a better description. Now, we were talking about uh, this you know, spring before, and some, some people do spring cleaning. Oh, yeah. Um, and you and I have had scenarios not too far apart. I'm dealing with selling a home. That was my home for almost 25 years. And it was where my family, you know, so I had two kids, my wife and myself. And man, you really a- accumulate a hell of a lot of crap. Yeah. There's good stuff. But there's a lot of crap in there, too. You have to sift through. And so this has sort of been my spring cleaning process. But I know you've done that in the past. And we've talked about, what is it about certain items? Why can't we let go of them? Yeah.
0: And and I've done this very recently. Um, And I'll talk to you about uh, books that I was going through Mm. that I no longer read. And it's funny. I think Seinfeld did a bit about this, about why do you keep a book that you've already read? (laughs) It's like so you can show it to people yeah well nobody's coming over and looking at <laughs> my books i mean but the truth of the matter i mean i remember in the 80s i got a copy i was going through some hard times by scott peck of the road less traveled mm-hmm. which was a huge bestseller mm-hmm. psychology and and stuff like that back in the 80s and i have saved that for, for all these years uh but I found a book recently that I thought was really interesting, and I wanted to bring it up to you. It's called Becoming Myself. Mm -hmm. And it was written by a PhD psychologist, um, Dr. Sherry Butler, who oddly enough I saw interviewed about her book back in 2004 Mm -hmm. on the Today Show. And she talks about you don't really become the adult, the person that you are, meant to become Mm. until your parents have passed Mm. and i thought you know what that's really kind of profound when you think about it and and when you think about it you don't hear some of those voices in the back of your head like chris do you really want to do
1: that (laughs) yeah well it's no but it it, it's an interesting i would bet at first some people would would recoil against they go no that's not true i'm not, but when you start to really think about it, you're absolutely right, the presence of a parent still is this degree of judgmentality that's always... And, you know, and some parents are heavier-handed than others. You've lost both of your parents. Right. My mom is still here. There was degrees of judgmentality with my dad. Uh, But but I I think there are levels of it also. It's not just uh, your accomplishments or what you're doing, particularly with your life. It's sort of every little thing that you do that could start that somehow impacts them because now you're an adult and you go, eh, I could think for myself Yeah. and I'm, no, I'm not going to that party, mom. I'm going to aunt Betsy's party because uncle so-and-so doesn't like me. And I'm like, you know, like, uh, you can do that as an adult, but how are you really feeling when you're doing it? You're still probably have that, that That sense of guilt. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas when they're gone, and if you ignore like, them, then you're sort of like, hey, that's my whatever. choice, and I'm free. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Tough shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But so it could be the range of, of of things. Now, for you, are you were you consciously aware of it, or now only in reflecting after reading that book, you started to think about it?
0: Well, no. I mean, back in 2004, mind you, I was in grad school, and uh, I honestly didn't make a move to go to grad school to get a degree in social work until I mean, my father was long gone. My mom had died a couple of years before, and I think it was a, a combination of elements. It was nine eleven that we lived through mm-hmm. that made you, you know, ask about everything you did. Um, it was going through a, a really wicked and vicious divorce with my ex back in two thousand. Mm. That was tough, and it was dealing with uh, the real the reality that I'm going to have MS mm. a lot longer than mm. I was hoping I would would have it when I was diagnosed, because it doesn't go away. right? right. Um, So I didn't make a move to go and get a graduate degree until after everybody was gone. And I thought about that Hmm. as I went through the process. I think it was probably part of my application process. You know, you write about that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think that I could hear my parents' voices and think that I was making them proud,
1: or hope that I was making Mm -hmm. them proud by getting this degree. So even then, that you know, in that sense, it was a sort of a post reaction. You you were living to still, in a certain way, maybe make them proud of you. You know. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I think we're always looking for yeah. that approval. It's approval. Yeah. It's it's, it's yeah, approval. It really I mean, that really is the bottom line. And and it was funny because I grew up in an environment. And I realized, you know, and love my dad. Probably one of the most honest men I, I had ever met. Um, and hardest working, and really took pride in everything he did. Uh, at one point, he was working three jobs just to support the three kids. But with that, I also didn't see him very often. But he had this philosophy, and I don't know who planted it in him, but it was always the, if I said, hey, I got a 95 on my math test, he'd say, well, how come you didn't get a 96? <laughs> uh, in a Little League game, I went three for four, and he'd say, well, how come you didn't go four for four? What happened in the time you made out? So did it, the did that knock you down a Well, I happen to be an attaboy uh, person, meaning you wanna you wanna get more out of me, give me attaboys. Attaboy. <laughs> you wanna get less out of me, criticize me not being good enough. Four. I'm not the guy that goes, Oh, yeah, I'll go, I'll prove you wrong. I'm gonna go four for four. I'm gonna get a hundred every test. But I think that's what he thought he was doing yeah. for me. Motivating Right. Yeah. But what it has actually done as an adult. Is still having this huge fear of failure. Anxiety. I, I don't like doing things that I know initially I'm not very good at because I feel like, well, I'm not very good at this and I'm going to get judged and this is, you know, it's going to blow up my face. So I think that's unfortunately something, some a residue from something that was supposed to be positive. He was trying to motivate me. But we all have to read each other and understand. And that's one of the difficult things. I mean, you know, You didn't have kids, but let me tell you, you've probably been in a position where you had to do that for people. Well, it's
0: interesting because that was was leading to my million-dollar question, which is, as a parent, and you're right, I don't have kids that I know of anyway. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. We got a phone call after this. (laughs) No, no. Trust me. Um, As a parent, were you aware of that in parenting your two kids?
1: Yeah, that was something that that would go through my head, Um, although... Probably, well, I mean, with my son, I was pretty positive, and and my daughter, certainly. But he said something, I remember one time in the beginning when he was very young, and he was in a band, and he was actually singing in the band. And he felt that we didn't give him enough positive feedback to encourage him to continue to sing. However, we paid for an entire recording studio in the basement, bought wonderful equipment for him. The good news is he became, you know, he's an audio and he's a sound and a music engineer and producer for Apple Music, but he did even feel like, for some reason, like, eh, I wasn't quite getting enough. And I tried to always be as supportive, I thought. But there you go. I mean, it's that thing. Maybe it's just nature that you always feel like you're not quite getting enough approval from a parent.
0: You know, I'll tell you a funny story. And I may have told you this before. I don't know that I've ever showed, shared it here on uh, Middle Age Warriors. But it's classic. It's probably 1999. And I was starting to do stand-up comedy here in New York. And I remember going out to lunch with my mom one day and saying to her, and tell me if I've told you this, but it's worth hearing again because it's that funny. I said to my mom, hey, mom, by the way, I'm going to be doing stand-up comedy. And she was always very supportive of whatever I wanted to do. And she said, with a kind of roll of her eyes, oh, that's great, Rick, but dot, 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 dot. Those are long dots. She
1: just left it as... But...
0: She said, but you're not funny. Oh, God. <laughs> I said, thanks, Mom. Wow. That's good. That's good for another 12 Woo, years in therapy, I think. That's oh, gonna man. Wow. <laughs> but the, you know what? Ultimately, she did come to see me at Caroline's. Uh-huh. She sat up front and laughed. Right. But uh, that's not- funny.
1: Well, but let's be honest. And, you know, it's funny because I was on the other end of that where my daughter uh, did stand-up comedy for a while and she still plays around with it a little bit. And... I remember thinking, hey look, if that's her dream, you know, I got to fulfill pretty much my dream and if somebody would have said, "Chris, you're not ever going to be on television and forget being on TV in New York or on the network that 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 happens to other people." Because that was kind of the mentality where I grew up. It was a lower middle class Archie Bunker type neighborhood in Queens where those things didn't happen to people like us. You did nobody went to, onto television or into movies or anything. So I was a little more aware of that. So when my daughter Carly was like, I'm doing stand-up. I was oh, okay. And I really tried to find the silver lining and said, hey, if it even doesn't work, you're going to learn so much from this experience. You do, you do. that, That you can utilize this in so many other capacities in life later and situations in life later. But I have to tell you, you know, I saw my son perform musically in different athletics and sports and baseball and hockey, whatever. I saw Carly in dance, singing. She was a lead in a play, in a school play, and Bell, That was a little nerve-wracking. But when I went to see her do stand-up, you, I, you I was... You were nervous? Oh, my God. I was pooping oh, in my yeah. pants. I, I was so, yeah. so, so nervous for her. Really, it was... I almost couldn't do it. It was... it was It's because you so much want them to succeed. Oh, yeah. And stand-up comedy, as you all well know, I've always said, I think that is the hardest form of of performing i said it's like
0: um, being circumcised when you're 25
1: (laughs) and with no anesthesia (laughs) yeah really yeah it it really i just i don't know why people want to do it (laughs) i just don't
0: you know i think a part of it is because it's it's proving that you can true now i did it kind of on a dare back in the late 90s because i remember valerie said to me oh you we were working together at the radio station in new york and i remember going down with her for coffee one day, and she goes, you know, you're very funny. You should do stand-up comedy. And she knew from stand-up comedy because her high school boyfriend was a very successful stand-up comic Mm -hmm. who uh, went on to Hollywood and did movies and TV shows and stuff. And... um,
1: So she thought, hey, maybe there's another one here. Yeah, maybe there's (laughs)
0: another one here. So, and you were talking about a dream before, and it reminded me of one of my comedy bits, which was, I used to do this thing about advertising slogans. You know what wet naps are? Mm-hmm, you know sure. the whole things when you go out for food and you right. wipe your hands with it, right. and I always thought of a great advertising slogan for them: okay. "Wet nap when you don't have time for the full dream." Oh God!
1: <laughs> I like that. I thought you would. Ah, <laughs> wow! Thank working, you. Thank you. You've been working a, a little blue. Don't forget your waiters and waitresses Oh the way out, everybody. You guys have been a wonderful audience. But boom! You. But you know, but that is that is truly a. You know the toughest form i think of, of performing but yeah sometimes let's be honest as parents people have told their kids you don't want to do that no you don't no you don't or even have completely disowned them you know because For of the past yeah. yeah and yeah. i that to me i cannot understand you may want to ride it out a little bit with them or say okay let's see what you got let's see what happens but then, after a certain point, say you know you may want to reevaluate this at this point because you're getting a little bit deeper into your life, and you know the problem then becomes you know are they still on your nipple, so to speak, yeah. <laughs> financially and, and supporting. Uh, emotional support, as far as I'm concerned, lasts forever. You know that that unconditional love with the child lasts forever. But um, sometimes, yeah, I guess it, it has to be a little harsh. And going back to what you were saying, you know, when a parent, when the when both parents are gone, is it freeing? Is, is it freeing to some people? I don't know. I mean, that's that's a tough question. I'm sure for some people it's very obvious it's freeing. Yeah. Because <laughs> the judgmentality's gone. Uh, the quest for approval is finally over. Yeah, but
0: it's always lingering.
1: Well, and not only that, I think personally that then other people start to take the place of that, whether it's a boss, whether mm. it's your partner. Right. It could be, you know, it, it, I, I don't know. I think as human beings, a lot of us are always just seeking that approval, from no matter who it is.
0: By the way, we're going to talk about barnacles someday, ah, barnacle not now, story. Okay. but I want <laughs> you to make a mental note about Rick, Chris, and barnacles, barnacles. because ah. we're going to, and barnacles, as you know, are the, the, I don't even know what they are, that grow on the side of a boat.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure molecularly how they're, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're. I believe deposits of something that ask Will Heinegger. From yes, he last knows week. all about his about <laughs> <laughs> about barnacles. Every time you say barnacles, I know you're not a big odd couple fan. Some I'm sure some people out there might be listening or big odd couple fans. And uh Felix and Oscar gets convinced to invest into this uh this glue. It's a yeah. super glue. <laughs> but it's made from barnacles. <laughs> so Somehow Oscar convinces Felix, like, yeah, because he shows him how this thing really worked, and he put... It, I think the guy was a dentist, and he was using it to keep fillings in, and then he realizes okay, it works for everything. And uh, the problem is... So then they do this whole demonstration, and Felix saws off the legs of a chair and then re-glues them with this special barnacle glue. <laughs> he, he shows how he can pick up a bowling ball with a pencil because it's attached by the barnacle glue. Well, the whole presentation falls apart, the pencil comes right up the bowling ball. Nothing happens. The chairs collapse because the barnacles and the, the glue needed moisture. Oh. It worked in the mouth because there was always, always moisture. moisture. Yeah. So uh, and and then in the meeting, you know, Oscar gets nervous, so he gets dry mouth. His filling falls out. It was just oh my that. god! <laughs> but every that's why every time you say barnacles, that's what I think of. Yeah. But but uh, now I think of something else because of what you talked about. And real quickly. They're these things that obviously collect on the bottom of a boat that you may not see or you dismiss that it could eventually sink a boat. Right. And you've you've kind of put that comparatively to relationships and those little things that happen. That, that we, you
0: do not see, that you do not acknowledge. Yeah. Right. So we'll talk about that down the road because the, that's going to be my PhD. On, on barnacles.
1: barnacles. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah. Anyway, I think we've spewed enough here today. Yeah, thank, um, but, uh, the, you, the, thank you. Thank you. Know, thank you. Thank you for the, sharing. Yes. and uh, No, but thank you for, uh, you know, uh, celebrating my 60th year with me right? Yeah. Here, happy really. birthday. Yeah, where's the noise maker? <laughs> yeah, there's nothing. We don't have, <laughs> it's not in the budget this year. <laughs> Maybe next year. But with that, uh, again, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Go back, look at some of our, or listen, I should say, to some of our other shows. We've got some guests lined up. We've got a biggie lined up. We're going to see if uh, when... We'll let you know when that one's going to happen, but I think you'll be uh, happy and surprised with that. And uh, I'm just going to say on this cloudy day here in New York, sunshine always, sunnier days ahead.
0: Be good, feel good. And thank you so much for spending time with Chris Semino, Rick Summers, Middle-Aged Warriors, rock on. Music, take us out. Maestro! Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in and joining us on the Believe Podcast Network here on middle Age Warriors. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. It would be a big help. Five stars would be great. Thanks. Also, you can find us on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Your mileage may vary. Have a good day.